I love the scripture text today. I like it because it's so human. And John loves to put forward the humanity of, of Jesus. I love that. I love, I love that piece. Um, I love that it's real. I love that they're fishing. I love that it's hands-on. I love that Peter's a, a dude, right? Peter's a, a, a guy who kind of can't get out of his own way. And, uh, and, and he's always talking too much. And he, he can't quite figure himself out. And, and then... Uh, it's just always Peter, right? It's it's always Peter trying to get himself figured out, and now he's really in a in a bad way. So he goes back to what he knows. He goes back to what he's familiar with. He goes back to the Lord and says, uh, uh, he goes back to his guys and says, we're going to go fishing. Now, they were fishermen. They knew what they were doing. They went to the lake. They did their thing, and it just didn't uh, just didn't work. The rest of the story of John chapter 21 is fantastic. As I preach this morning, I, I want you to think about people. And not people where we always get along, but, but people where it's been a struggle. And the, the, the people of God who are redeemed in Jesus, we have a very unique place in society and culture. And that's highlighted in how Jesus interacts with Peter so one of the things I'm going to end with today is, are you that guy or this guy? Meaning, are you the guy that needs to kind of forgive and you've got someone who's kind of offensive toward you and, and, and when you see them coming in your life, you're like, you know what, i got to make this right. Or are you the person who's kind of ticked somebody else off and, uh, and you got to kind of work, work that out? Because that's exactly what's going on in our text today. John 21, I'm going to pick up. Stefan finished at verse 14. I'm picking up at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will lead you and dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. That's just such a tough story because all of us have been there. There's not a one of us that stands in all of our relationships completely righteous. There's not a time where I can look at my wife or my children or my family and say, you know what, I've been the perfect dad, husband, uncle. I'm the perfect person, and everyone is just so fortunate to be in a relationship with me because I'm the best. It just doesn't work that way. And if it does, then I want to be in your family, and you can adopt me, and then I'll screw up your family for you. It'll work out great. Right? We always kind of live in this tension of, 
what did I say? And do I need to apologize? And can I forgive? And, and, and how does that work? Is our family system pliable enough to deal with this? Now, Peter had, Peter had been just a week or so before around a fire the night Jesus was executed. And he had a specific accent. This next week, my family's going to Minnesota. They have a specific accent. Could you bring me the big? We always laugh, you big. <laughs> but Peter had a specific accent. And, and when he was around the fire, he could be identified as a Galilean. So a person comes out and says, you're one of those Jesus guys. And Peter says, oh, no, I'm not. And that was strike one. And then the person says, you know, your accent gives you away. And Peter says, I am not with Jesus. Strike two. And the person says, another person says, you know, you're with Jesus. There's no question about it. We saw you when he came in, and we've seen you in the synagogue and all that stuff. And then Peter swears and curses and, and all, that, all that stuff. So Peter said, nope, not me. I'm not with, with Jesus. And he denied the Lord three times. Now, I don't know about you, but no one's more acutely aware of my own sin than me. And so the richness of this story, as Peter and John are in the boat, and they're, uh, and they're getting dirty, and they're getting stinky, and it was a bad night of fishing, but all of a sudden the nets are full because the guy from the shore said, put your nets out on the other side of the boat. And they're working, bringing in those nets, and John says to Peter, it is the Lord. I wonder went through, what went through Peter's mind. Strike one, strike two, strike three. Or if Peter said, now we can finally make this right and have reconciliation between Jesus and me and work this thing out. My sense, because he's a man and I know how men think, is that Peter said, shoot, now what? And so instead of waiting for... Uh, Jesus to kind of come, and he didn't know. I mean, he'd seen Jesus raise dead people and sick people were healed and all that stuff. Maybe Peter thought Jesus was going to come and zap him with a lightning bolt or something. Or maybe it was joy that two men who had had a pretty rough patch were now going to patch things up. And so Peter jumps and bounds into the water and, and, the people, and the guy said, hey, we got a net full of fish. There's a lot of money here. Peter, let's pull this in. So then they pull in the net. They do their work. And, and those relationships are restored around the campfire with fish and bread. And I always wonder what they talked about. Remember when we were in Capernaum? And Jesus, we didn't know you very well. And you healed Peter's mother-in-law. Remember that? Remember when Andrew bought you five fish and two loaves? And, and we fed 5,000 people. And Jesus, remember when we gathered those baskets left over and you showed us that you could provide so much and so much more? I just wonder what that conversation was like. Because towards the end of that, Jesus comes to Peter and has this marvelous reconciliation. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I do. Undoing strike one. And then Jesus looks at him again and says, Peter, do you really love me? 
Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And the Lord Jesus undoes strike two. And then that final thing, he says, Peter, do you love me? And John, who writes the whole book of John through Peter's eyes, says, and Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the third time. My sense is that it didn't dawn on Peter that Jesus was undoing strike one, strike two, and now strike three. Jesus forgiving, Jesus loving, Jesus drawing his friend close and saying, where the Lord is, Peter, there is forgiveness and there is reconciliation. And then those marvelous words that go all the way back to the beginning of Peter's relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, Peter, follow me. What better, what better story to end the gospel of John on than a story of reconciliation and a story of God's grace being made real in human relationships. I can't hardly read that without tearing up. The, the, the part where they're in the boat and John looks at Peter and Peter looks at John says, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord who's with us day in and day out in our lives in the grist of our relationships, who loves us more than we could love ourselves, who comes to us on the shore of our lives, in the boat of our lives and says, I am with you and I am for you and I love you. Follow me. I think we live in a time where forgiveness is rare unless you're a Christian. What is Christianity's gift to culture? I think it's forgiveness and reconciliation. We are so against cancel culture, it's surreal. The last place that a person can find forgiveness in our culture is, is, is in the church, among de dedicated Christian disciples doing what Jesus said and did in the fellowship and in deep, rich relationships. I mean, we're not going to take the offering this morning, sort it, count it, and say, okay, you following people are canceled. Right? It just doesn't work that way. We are people of grace and people of forgiveness because we are people of Jesus. And it's forgiveness that makes our relationships deep and rich and real. And sometimes those relationships are stretched. Sometimes even our relationship with God is stretched. We put our hand in the air and we say, God, I'm so angry. In our congregation, we've done nine funerals. And I was on the phone with a gentleman from Indianapolis this morning. He said, Pastor, my wife passed away. We're coming in for a funeral in the middle of May. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And it's in, sometimes in that grief of losing something or losing a relationship or losing a job or losing a sense of goodwill about ourselves where we look at God and we say, I'm not pleased with you, Lord. I'm angry. And I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can reckon myself to love you. And I got good news for you. If you kind of have that feeling that you're miffed at God, because in this text this morning from John 21, if God was ever going to put it on anyone, he could put it on Peter and make an example before those disciples. But Jesus does not come in anger to them, nor does Jesus come in anger to you and me. He comes in love. 
He comes from the cross with forgiveness. He comes from the open tomb with new life and new hope and restoration. Hope and restoration is kind of what our church is all about. So Jesus comes to release us from the past. The word for forgiveness is the word for release. God in Christ forgives us, meaning he releases the responsibility and the accountability for our sinfulness from us. The same way he did for Peter, which means I'm not, I, I, I can't die for my own sins and my own past. But God reconciles, God releases me from the past, which gives me a sense of freedom. He also provides for us reconciliation in the moment that God in Christ loves us so much that he is with us. And finally, that marvelous piece of retrenching for life that God says, you know what, I know it ain't easy and I know it ain't easy being you and I know it ain't easy living in relationships, but you know what, I'm going to give you the strength and the power and the love and the grace and the resiliency to be able to take my power of my resurrection into your life. And I'll be with you. I love that. And so there are those people that we struggle with. Now, I know that nobody struggles with me ever because I'm, you know, perfect as a pastor. I've got special dispensation from God. It's not true. As a matter of fact, like many people in my profession, I tend to be somewhat of a, either a perfectionist or a people pleaser. But there are people who struggle with me and people that I struggle with. And the recipe for the living in community with people who struggle with us and people we struggle with is in our way of life as Christians. Because forgiveness is for the strong. It doesn't take much to cancel a person and say, you know what, I don't want anything to do with you. In my eyes, in my heart, you don't exist. It takes a whole lot more to say, I've sinned against you and I repent of that sin. I beg your forgiveness. It's the strong person who can repent, and it's the powerful person who can forgive. Our way of life is that way of forgiveness. And then there's that piece of being favorably inclined towards others. That's called grace. Being favorably inclined and leaning into relationships, instead of setting up like a fortress in our heart that says, before uh, I'll love you, before I can be close to you, I've got to be completely insulated from any pain from you. And so I draw bridges up, the fence is here, the gate is locked, but I'll be your friend and I'll be close to you if you can run the labyrinth to get close to me. That's not the Christian way. Because of who God is for us and the fact that God loves us so deeply, we can be vulnerable and we can be favorably inclined towards other people. Dr. Martin Luther called that putting the best construction on things, meaning thinking the best about what people say and assuming the best in people. 
Again, that makes us salt and light in the culture because the culture says, I don't really care about anyone but myself. And I'll cancel those I disagree with and forget the rest. I'll block them on Twitter or whatever. I don't know. But a heart that is filled with grace is a heart that is favorably inclined toward other people. And if you've got those people in your lives that you're saying, it's really hard to live with them. Perhaps the words of like forgiveness and favorable and reconciliation are words that come from John 21 to our hearts and our lives and our mouths as we live in our families, in our friendships, in work and job and school and all of those things as people of Jesus who are people of forgiveness, grace, and reconciliation. For me, the hardest place to be in a relationship is where I know I'm that guy. I know that I've said something. For me, it's typically said something because my mouth tends to move a little faster than my mind sometimes. And sometimes I've got to go hat in hand and say, you know what, I'm sorry I said that. That was the dumbest thing ever. And I sincerely apologize for what I said. I know there's nobody else like that in the auditorium this morning and that I'm the only one. But sometimes that's a very uncomfortable place to be. What a marvelous blessing to know that the Lord Jesus is in the boat of our lives and that by the power of his forgiveness and his grace living in us and through us in community that we can be vulnerable and open to one another, both repenting turning and forgiving, letting go. That is what we bring as Christians into the world that nobody else has. There's no other religion in the history of humanity that is based on grace and mercy except who we are in Christ and what we're all about. It's interesting to me to watch the world and, and the culture kind of twist and turn right now because there's been such a, a, a sharp, brusque, kind of mean-spirited tone in our culture. And it's kind of cool as a pastor to watch people live in and figure out that piece of forgiveness and reconciliation rather than canceling and putting up the walls and shutting people out. This morning, I want to just wrap this up with a, a, a little piece of, of prayer and, and God's forgiveness pronounced upon us. I'd ask if you'd join me, and uh, I, know you're, I know your hearts are open. I, I wonder if you'd open your mind's eye a little bit, and, and those people that you need reconciliation toward or, or, or people you need to forgive, uh, we're going to pray the horrible prayer this morning that God would create an intersection of those people for us. And I pray that you would join me, uh, join me in that and, and, and that you along with me would hope for that this week.